Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Hi, River's Edge. Great to be with you via technology for the first of our midweek podcasts. As the coronavirus and really the coronavirus restrictions have hit hard, they have changed our world over the last two weeks. And we've been thinking and praying about how best to keep in touch as a community and how we might best equip and encourage you to follow Jesus in the midst of a kind of bizarre and sort of surreal experience. The last two weeks have consisted of wave upon wave of changes set in motion by the coronavirus, starting two weeks ago with canceled flights to Europe, followed closely by school closures across the nation and restrictions on gathering. Over time, those restrictions ratcheted down to gatherings of 10 that still had to adhere to social distancing. And then finally on Monday, roughly 48 hours ago, the governor of Washington announced shelter in place, which means you stay at home unless you're exercising uh, alone outside or going to the grocery store or the doctor's office, maybe getting a carryout meal, things like that. And with the shelter in home order hitting this week, We've more or less been confined to our homes, and even meeting in small groups is now off the table, at least for the coming weeks. And in the midst of all this, we've been thinking creatively about how we can effectively equip our community to follow Jesus in the midst of the coronavirus craziness. And that really spawned the idea of a midweek podcast that's devoted exclusively for that purpose. At this point, uh, we aren't sure if we'll be here for weeks or months, but we did want to make another avenue available to help everyone navigate this unprecedented situation. We will continue with the Sunday podcast, and we really can't do a Sunday podcast without acknowledging this moment that we're in, but we also wanted to make another venue available purely for the sake of talking about this moment and what it means for us as a church. What are the unique challenges and opportunities presented by this situation? How should we navigate it? And what do we expect God to do in the midst of it? So we're going to jump into a conversation on that, but I think the first thing to acknowledge in all this is that people's experiences have varied really widely. And I've had a chance to connect with many of the people from our church, and it's kind of all over the map. Uh, Some people, myself included, uh, have always worked from home and are still working from home, and the day-to-day, hour-to-hour, maybe not a lot has changed. Uh, There's others who are working at home for the first time, and some love it and some don't love it. Uh, There are uh, some who 
are actually not working at all, but are still getting paid uh, by their employers, and they're almost feeling like, "Wow, this is this is like a forced vacation or something." Like I'm I'm getting paid, but I just like I'm not having to work. Uh, and so you've got that range of experiences, uh, but then you've also got people who are really anxious uh, about getting sick, or maybe they are sick and they're waiting for test results. Uh, I think there's a few kind of universal threads that run through all of the experiences. And that's that almost everyone right now feels disoriented. And that's the word that keeps coming out in conversations. I just feel, I just feel disoriented or discombobulated. And uh, almost everyone feels that sense of disorientation. Almost everyone feels some sense of cabin fever and a sense of isolation and restlessness. And then you've got another class of people who have lost jobs uh, or who have been forced by the government to shut down their businesses, at least temporarily, and they can't get back out there and get another job. There's kind of just, hey, you, you can't work and you have to sit at home. And um, there's, there's a lot of kind of heartache that goes into that. Uh, in addition to all that, we know that there's been a big kind of stock market crash and most people have some form of economic worries about the future. And so overall, you've got these um, basically universal concerns about uh, the economy, basically a universal sense of feeling disoriented, and then a wide variety of experiences within that based on job security. And even if you're in kind of the, the the fortunate half of those experiences and you're saying wow i'm i'm getting paid to sit at home or hey i get to do my job as i always have but now i get to work from home and be close to my family and not commute and it's awesome but even if you're in that uh class of people i think there's even a sense among those people of like am i allowed to be in enjoying this like i feel kind of guilty because the rest of the world uh, is is kind of freaking out right now. And so uh, in light of all that and all of the experiences that we're having, we wanted to start a midweek podcast that's basically on a coping with the coronavirus situation. How are we to navigate this moment as followers of Jesus? And what do the scriptures have to say to us during this time? What's it going to look like uh, kind of person by person to follow Jesus in this season? And what would it look like for us to even flourish in this moment uh, that we're living in. And so I'm here with Donald Easterbrooks, and I want to start by asking Donald to share about your experience and perspective. Uh, how have the last few weeks been for you and your family? Yeah, I would say it's been, it's been interesting for sure. Um, I work from home, so as far as my daily life, it, not much has changed. Um, I'm still working most days. Um, my kids are at home because they have two in high school and one who is in college, but she's been doing online school. And then my wife, who is a preschool teacher, and they closed her preschool down for at least two weeks. So come Monday, we'll find out a little bit more what that looks like for them. Um, but yeah, so she's got actually two weeks paid leave, which was pretty, um, pretty amazing because we weren't anticipating that, um, especially from a smaller private preschool, uh, slash daycare. Um, yeah, so that's been great as far as financially, it hasn't hit us too much yet, but I mean, the looming, uh, bigger questions are for, <clears throat> for like my son, who's a senior 
is what does that mean for him? Um, because the schools have closed down and uh, the information that we've had is that uh, the teachers can't really grade work. Um, so what does that look like for a, for a senior graduating? Are they going to give him the credits that he needs to be able to graduate? You know, um, is he going to walk at graduation? And just the, the, I think a lot of the things that you think of, like when you think of your senior year as prom, you think of, you know, for some kids it's the senior lock-in and graduation and those milestone events of, that I still remember, you know, many years later. Um, and just the challenges that go with that. Um, you know, and then it goes, what about my daughter? She's a junior. Um, she was, this was going to be her last year playing tennis and she kind of had to give that up as well. So I think there's been a lot of cost. And then the long-term concern for us is, yeah, I have a job right now, but we're the construction industry and are people going to pull the projects because just funding's not there right now. Um, we had one of our largest projects shut down because it was uh, too many people in one place. Um, and that has a ripple effect that carries out longer than just even the next couple weeks. Um, we may not feel the full effects of this for another three to four months. And how are you guys uh, processing everything on kind of a, an emotional, spiritual level? How are you guys adjusting to the new normal? What have you guys been doing kind of for your own faith when it comes to the big picture mentality, but also just kind of the day-to-day, moment-to-moment? How are you guys navigating that? Yeah, it's the first thing we've been talking to our kids about, we've been talking, my wife has, her Jen's been doing this as well, is... Um, coming up with a daily routine, um, coming up with something so that um, you're not just sitting there waiting for the day to happen, but you have something in place that's um, that's more consistent, you know, uh, so that they aren't just so that the time actually isn't dragging on, but that there's a purpose to it and. Um, Jen, it was interesting cause last week and it was easier when, when it was sunny instead of snowing today. Um, but, um, she was like, wow, this week has actually gone by pretty fast. Now the challenge was my son because he was not so much thrilled about the idea of a schedule. So we've been helping him kind of navigate, uh, a schedule that would work for him rather than, rather than sleeping until 11 o'clock and then getting up and playing video games all day. Right. And even as you were talking, I was actually reminded of a lecture that I heard recently that was actually aimed at equipping church planters, but it was all about monasteries and how they kind of dominated uh, the landscape uh, of Europe for centuries and shaped the culture of their day. And they were so influential for such a long period of time. But the thing that really stuck out, kind of the point of the lecture, is that they were so disciplined with their time in that almost every moment of every day was put into some sort of category, whether it's sleep or prayer or work or connecting with others or studying scripture. It was all 
marked out in great detail. It was this highly regimented thing. Uh, but the lecture was actually really inspiring just to see how they lived and how intentional they were with their time and how much fruit came out of that disciplined kind of life as they assigned different activities to different hours of the day. But at the end of this lecture, we were asking uh, the professor, um, who, who gave the lecture, like, hey, how do we, how do we practically ap- apply this? Like, some of us are very stirred right now, but what do we what do? We do? Um, how do we apply this to our lives? And he had some different ideas about, like, leadership teams and staff and living intentionally. But one of the things that really stood out is that he said, hey, you could consider applying some version of this to your family. Like, how do you live intentionally, even as a family unit? And that was one of the things they were sort of provoking us toward. And in this moment, I think that makes even more sense because most of us have have had the sensation of like the rug being ripped out from under us and we feel very disoriented. Uh, I mean, I've been working from home for years and I even feel disoriented and I have this nagging sense most days of like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Like I I have this sense I'm supposed to be doing something, but I don't know what it is. Uh, Should I be like running out to the store to buy more toilet paper or something like what what am I supposed to be doing in this moment? What do I do with, with all this extra time that I now have on my hands? How do I navigate this new world? And so I think that, uh, it can be really helpful in thinking through how I assign value and meaning and direction to my day. How do I bring a sense of intentionality into the hours that I'm living, to our, to our days, to our hours? Because most of us have more time than we've ever had before. Uh, some of us aren't working at all, uh, whether we're getting paid or not. Uh, most of us aren't commuting. Uh, most of our other activities and distractions have been stripped away from us. I mean, we still have the internet, uh, which is a major distraction, but one of the key questions for us to wrestle with in this moment is what do we do with our time? How do we inhabit our time? How do we live intentionally with the time that we have and not get sucked into the craziness of the 24-hour news cycle? And even people like myself who never watched the news before this uh, are, are really tempted now to watch the news. It's so hard not to. And I don't want to you know, put my head in the sand and be completely oblivious because it feels so relevant to our lives and it's having such an impact on the way that we live. And it's changing so quickly day by day. So, okay, well, I'll just turn it on for a bit. And then you start watching and the next thing you know, like four hours have gone by and your anxiety is through the roof and you're thinking like, wait, where did those four hours ago? And why am I like having a panic attack right now? And I've just been watching cycling stories. And it's very easy for us uh, to get sucked into that in this moment. And I think when we do, it only adds to this sense of disorientation. And so I think bringing some amount of, you know, even even if you don't like schedules or you don't like structures or you don't like rules or maybe you don't even like the series that we're in on spiritual disciplines, I think this is a really key time for us to recapture some of that and to think really deeply about what it looks like to live intentionally. Uh, Even as we've been going through this series on spiritual disciplines, I think the number one thing, at least in the Western world, the number one objection is that we don't have time. We don't have time to read our Bibles. We don't have time for silence and solitude. We don't have time for any like meaningful or sustained prayer. We can't afford to take a minute or two out of every hour to refocus our attention on practicing the presence of God. We just don't have time. We don't just we just don't have time for any of this. 
And I think that excuse has really been stripped from us now. Uh, like, what's our excuse now? Like, oh, I'm just too scared or I'm too anxious or I just have to watch the news uh, or, or whatever it is. Like, I, I'm just not in the right mindset to do this. Uh, I, I think some of our typical excuses have been stripped away. And so I really see this. One of the key opportunities that I see in this is a chance to practice the spiritual disciplines. And some of us will be practicing some of those for the first time. Uh, it would be hard to say, um, oh, there's no way that I could practice silence and solitude right now. I mean, the government is practically forcing us into silence and solitude. And so just thinking about how... Uh, all of us have new time on our hands. Uh, one of the opportunities that I don't want us to miss is the opportunity to build a new habit and to use the time that we have when we're forced into isolation to say, wow, I can really start a new habit of reading scripture or sustained prayer or silence and solitude or simplicity. I mean, we're, we're basically being forced by the government into simplicity in our schedules. But I see a big opportunity there. Um, not that you have to run your home like a monastery, but there's a huge opportunity to grow in the spiritual practices and the spiritual disciplines during this time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's, you know, if you ever look at the old advertisements and stuff like that, there was a um, Indiana created, uh, it was a baking station, they call them Hoosiers. So that's why they're the Indiana Hoosiers because they had this baking system and on it was, it will save you time. You'll have more time to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. You know, when they created AutoCAD, it's like, you're going to have more time on your hands to do more things. But the problem is you end up speeding up life as right. life doesn't slow down. Life right. is going to constantly speed up because the more time you have, what are you filling that with? Right. And that's the challenge. And I think it's, you know, even now it's like if the internet was shut down, I think people would have, uh, there would be major withdrawals. <laughs> oh, totally. I, I think that's the last refuge for most people. I mean, we don't have sports. We can't get together and do the things we would usually do. Bars and restaurants are closed. I can't really go anywhere, uh, but I still have the internet. Uh, so we still have this potentially massive distraction of the internet and Netflix and the 24-hour news cycle, and all of those things can completely consume all of our time in this moment. Yeah, it was funny. We were driving up on the South Hill, and Hannah and I were going, uh, my youngest, were going to play tennis, and we saw more people out on the South Hill this last week than we've ever seen people outside mm. like as far as walking it's because the threat that you may not be able to be outside it's like people are like i'm gonna go outside right, and do it right, right. even uh nick yost was commenting that he's like i work from home all day my wife's home with my kids all day and this is the most i've been outside in in years just as far as planning mm. hikes and different things right yeah so in terms of just kind of bringing people back to that question of how do we navigate this moment that we're in. I think for, um, for, for one, you actually do have, because our time, we, most of us have more time than we've ever had before. I think that is an encouragement to like, hey, we're still allowed to go outside. You know, that's almost like a misconception right now is we think like shelter at home means I have to be inside my house. And right. you can still go out and do all of these things, have quality time with your family, um, go outside and... And as long as you kind of maintain those those six foot boundaries with others, 
uh, you can still go outside and, and do those things and go for hikes and, and bike rides and all of that. So I think there's, there's an opportunity there, but I think there's even this um, bigger opportunity in my mind in terms of uh, on a spiritual level, what are we going to do with these weeks and with these months? And uh, one of the kind of uh, models or images from scripture that God has, has really brought powerfully to my mind is Jesus in the wilderness. And if you look at the life of Jesus, uh, from, from what we see, he seems to be either in silence and solitude, uh, kind of spending time really rooting himself in God in the wilderness, um, or he goes from that straight back into a really deep and, and meaningful level of community. And he kind of seems to bounce between the two. I'm either like out in silence and solitude and isolated isn't necessarily the best word for that because he's, he's really using that time to be with his heavenly father, but he's either, he's, he usually goes between one and the other and we should too. I, I think as followers of Jesus, generally in our lives, we, we tend to miss it on both sides. Like we don't go deep enough into community and we really don't like withdraw enough to have meaningful silence and solitude. And so that's like big picture. We need to grow in both. But the interesting thing about this moment is that we're kind of being forced into isolation. Uh, that's really the goal is to physically isolate everybody. Right. And so I've, I've been thinking a lot about Jesus in the wilderness and how he's led out into the wilderness. And for Jesus, this is a place where he's isolated. Um, he's tempted by a lot of things that, that really hit hard, but then he emerges from this time of isolation and temptation, uh, and he emerges from, from the desert in this place of victory. Uh, to use New Testament language, I say he's kind of reigning in life. He's defeated uh, and overcome these temptations. He's overcome Satan. He's empowered by the Spirit. He kind of emerges from the desert stronger. He seems to be stronger than ever before, just filled with the Spirit. And from there he goes and, and goes into his ministry. And I feel like the Lord kind of brought that to mind as, as this analogy almost of what our community and, and maybe even the, the global church on some level is being forced into is kind of this Jesus in the, in the desert moment where we also are, are isolated. I think in our isolation, we're very, there's a lot of temptation there, uh, whether it's toward just wasting time and kind of like we're tempted toward apathy and just kind of, hey, I'm just going to burn my hours and my days binge watching Netflix or whatever it is. I think in that there's obviously going to be a lot of temptation uh, toward lust and other things. And so I see this similar pattern where like we're isolated, we're tempted, but this is such a key moment for us as disciples of Jesus and for the church. I mean, we have uh, a, a real chance to emerge from the desert, so to speak, uh, filled and empowered by the Spirit, stronger than we ever were before. I, I think that's kind of the big question for me is like, how do we do that? How do we emerge from the desert weeks from now or potentially even months from now when we're allowed to start gathering again, kind of empowered with the Spirit, stronger than we ever were before. Uh, I think a parallel analogy for me is thinking about sports, where if you've ever been on a sports team, you know that it's so energizing to have everybody go and do the workouts together. You're all in the gym lifting weights. You're all going for that, you know, run, running laps or whatever it is. Right. You're all doing your drills on the soccer field. 
And there's something that's just electric and energizing about coming together to do that. And that to me is kind of missional community and the Sunday gathering. It's like we come to, we're all following right. Jesus, but we come together as a team and we just energize each other. Uh, and it's almost like, to use that sports analogy, as if we're being forced to work out alone. Right. We're kind of saying like, hey, everybody, no more sports practices for the next three months. The season starts in three months, but for these three months, you got to go and, and practice by yourself. Do your own runs, do your sit-ups and push-ups, do your, do your this and your that. And it, it's really testing, I think, in a lot of ways to not have that same support, to not have that same sense of being energized and coming together, following Jesus uh, together. And I, I think that it's going to test us. In, it is testing us in a lot of ways in terms of like, hey, how, how deep what was that faith and really when we chatted the other day the question that rose to the surface in my mind is what does it look like for us to really feed ourselves in this season to say hey i actually can't rely on the energy of the group or even coming together in a sunday gathering and have somebody else kind of leading worship right. and somebody else doing a teaching and i just kind of um, consume i think this moment really cuts against a lot of that and forces us to, to ask the question, hey, are we going to rise to the challenge? Do we know how to feed ourselves? Will we pursue Jesus for ourselves in this moment? Will we kind of work out alone, to use that sports analogy, and then emerge from the desert, emerge you know, into the next season, um, really uh, empowered by the Spirit and stronger than ever before? Or will we emerge from this place of like dormancy and kind of spiritual apathy and almost like spiritual obesity, if I could use that word right. or phrase, like, are we just going to kind of sit on the couch and, and just kind of, um, f um, um, mentally, spiritually, just completely be out of shape, um, let this moment pass by, or we will, will we emerge from it stronger than ever? And I think that's really kind of one of the big questions that's being posed for disciples and, and the church right now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, absolutely 100%. I mean, it's the, I remember years ago, well, when I went to China, I was 23, 24, spent like six months there. No, not six months. It was three months. But um, I came back with the realization of, of a couple of things. One is Americans, the Western culture has no excuse. <laughs> we have no excuse for the gospel. No reason to say I didn't know. I mean, you turn right. on any radio station, you can find a radio station that's preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and the passion that somebody could have for a three-page tract, and that's their entire context of the scriptures, of right. the Bible, and hold on to that like it is gold. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> a friend of mine who grew up in Pakistan, uh, Muslim, he... Um, he got he found a tract on the ground and went up to his dad and said what is this and his dad physically assaulted him and beat him and said you wow. may not read that and he was like why are you so anti just this one page right. and that caused him to really begin to seek christ in that mm -hmm. um i think the one thing that really just hit me a couple weeks ago is you know it's almost like I had this sense of going, what's going to be our response? What is the elders at River's Edge response? Where's our path forward? You know, and I think a lot of churches were way out front in saying, 
here's the path forward for our church. And I was sitting there waiting and I was like, why am I waiting? Why am I waiting for somebody else to tell me what my direction should be? Mm. Um, I've left church before. I've, I mean, that's my degree. Why am I waiting for somebody else to tell me to get creative? Why am I, why am I looking for an online service or, cause it's almost like your mentality is you're so used to the daily grind of things. So I have my work week, I've got my Saturday, I've got, we do grocery shopping on Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday we have church, Tuesday night we have this, you know, we have a uh, missional community. Why am I waiting for somebody else to tell me what to do? And the thing that came to my mind is we need to be leading our homes. We need, this is an opportunity I think for really growing and understanding of what is even church. Um, you know, Matt Redman had the song um, where he was saying, forgive me for, and I can't remember the lyrics, but he wrote it, it was like six or seven years ago, you know, forgive me for what I've made worship. Mm. And I almost had that sense of, you know, like, because I play guitar, because I used to lead worship is music is so, you know, so tied to worship and we can make it so complicated it's like we can make the whole process complicated and make it seem bigger than it is like we've got to have you know the right songs being played we've got to have the right text being preached or we've just made it way more complicated than it needs to be um and that's been one of the things that i think you've taught me more than anything else is there's we make so many things complicated and there's simplicity in it because, and that's where my mind goes is to complicating. I make really simple, complicated things, very simple. Mm -hmm. And then I can take some of the most simplest things and make them extraordinarily <laughs> complicated. And so for me, like even on Sunday, I was like, I woke my kids up and I said, we're going to have a time of worship and use some of Kelly's stuff that he shared with us uh, within MC groups. Like, um, six months ago where, you know, you read through a text, meditate on it. Oh, right. Yeah. And then be able to share as a group, um, kind right. of what God was showing us. Totally. And, you know, it's something that seems really simple, but right. yet I think that is a time of worship, right? You know, it's, uh, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. Meditating on those things is worship. And then uh, we listened to a podcast um, and it was just good. It was yeah. a good time to be together as a family. Um, I think the, the group aspect of it can come where as a missional community, you can do a similar Psalm. You can do a similar, um, listen to the Sunday podcast together and then be able to communicate whether it's via slack or text or whatever method i mean we have so many stinking methods of communication right. today it's totally. it's overwhelming so i think those are the things that it's just thinking not waiting for somebody else to tell you what to do mm -hmm. but to start taking ownership for yourself right which is really what the church was meant to do to begin with totally 
Yeah. And I think there's two strands of thought in what you're saying that really strike a chord in me. One is just that question posed by this moment of, will you be a self-starter? Will you seek Jesus for yourself or, or even kind of lead your, your family or come together as roommates if you're in college or whatever, and just kind of like really say, I'm going to take ownership over this. I'm going to seek Jesus for myself. Um, and I think that that this moment kind of shows the weaknesses of some of the ways that we've commercialized church or made it right. more of a consumer enterprise where, oh, what, what, what's my job as a Christian? It's to show up and it's to consume a song that someone else is singing. Maybe I'll sing along, maybe I won't, but they're really doing it and I'm just kind of enjoying. And it's to, to consume a word that somebody else is really thoughtfully prepared. But this is exposing that like, well, we, you, there's, you can't really consume, consume, or I guess you can, like you can still do like video church, but I think that only exposes how you're kind of like, Oh, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching a video of someone else worshiping. And that's what worship is. Um, versus saying like, well, what does it look like for me to worship God in my own home or to go for a walk outside or, you know, go in whatever space it, it facilitates that for you. But what does it look like for me to be a self starter for me to seek Jesus for myself, to engage in the spiritual disciplines, to encounter God in this time, what does it look like for me to worship? Uh, as a church, we don't we we don't plan to ever do like release pre recorded worship, uh, in in part because I don't want to to reinforce kind of that commercial aspect of it of oh that's something that somebody else does and I listen. Whereas um, in this moment, I think we're being forced to ask, what does it look like for us to come together as a family? I don't have any problem with playing pre-recorded worship. Like, don't right. get me wrong. Like, jump on YouTube, get your top, you know, three, four worship songs and worship. But worship is something that comes from you, from your heart. And it just seems weird to like, oh, I'm watching, you know, my my church worship leader worship while I'm just like eating a burrito, you know, <laughs> and like sipping on a Coke and just like, oh, that was my worship for the day. And we're like, no. I mean, what, what's happening in your heart? Like, what are you doing to get after it for yourself? Um, that being said, we're still going to have uh, the Sunday podcast as a common touch point for the community. Yeah, I think what you and I are doing right now is valuable in helping people actually wrap their minds around this moment and navigate and move forward. Uh, but it has kind of forced... Uh, us to ask a lot of like almost existential questions as a church like wait what is the church and are we prepared for this moment and can we function as individual disciples um, who are still have some common touch point and are being equipped and encouraged in some way Um, but what happens when we don't when we don't have that common touch point do we just slip into apathy uh, or do we actually kind of wake up Uh, i think uh, and believe that we should really be leading our culture right now. Um, right. In this moment, we should be leading our culture um, through being grounded in God, through living with a sense of hope, through being a non-anxious presence, through the counterintuitive joy that we experience. But we can only do any of those things if we're actually seeking God for ourselves. Uh, right. And I think that is kind of the big thing for me. So here we are, um, you know, in, in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 days, uh, how will we emerge from that? Well, that, that depends on what we want to do with, the, with this hour of our lives and the next hour of our lives and what we want to do tomorrow morning and uh, whether or not we're going to kind of wake up and press into this or just say, hey, I'm out. 
And, and that's the weird thing that I've, that I've sort of experienced is that the government has forced us to withdraw physically. And what I've noticed is that a ton and ton of people have actually gone further than that and kind of withdrawn mentally and spiritually. Mm. Just kind of been like checking out across the board. Like, oh, we're forced to withdraw physically. Um, but really, like what we're experiencing right now is, in my opinion, is like a taste of what the underground church experiences all over the world, all the time. It's like they don't get to just gather in public in Sundays and just do what they want, you know? Like they're they're forced to be underground. And it's kind of this sobering test, I think, for the American church to say like, wow, do we, do we, are we still salt and light? Will we maintain our saltiness, you know, when, when this, when one avenue uh, of physical gathering is um, put on hold? And I think that's a question we all have to wrestle with right now. Yeah, I think the one thing too, even in that is I, I think people minimize their voice Mm. and I think people minimize their overall impact and i mean there's nothing unique or special about um any of the unique heroes of the faith other than they were true to what god called them to be Mm. um i don't think luther had a much higher value of who he was martin luther Mm -hmm. um looking back in history we see his impact in the ripples you know i don't think the shoemaker who uh cobblestone guy cobbler Um, the guy who shared with Moody, Dwight L. Moody, you know, Mm. we don't know anything of his history, right? But look at the impact that he had. And the thing is, is we can't minimize our voice and we can't minimize our creativity Mm. because your voice may be the one thing that spurs an entire change. Right. There was a guy in, um, in Asia, and I wish I remember which country he was in, but as a missionary, he lived there for 40 years and saw one convert. Mm. Now, as a, as a missionary, that's if you're looking at it from a business perspective, that's pretty bad oh, numbers. It's devastating. Yeah, to do 40 years of your life and say, I led one person to Christ is just crazy. And that one person ended up being the Billy Graham of Asia. Mm. and leading millions and millions and millions of people to Christ. Mm. Now, if you look back at his life, he may go, it was pretty minimal impact. Right. But yet the ripple effect that happened as a result of that is, and that's just the thing. I think people undervalue who they are because of either their education Mm. or because they aren't quote unquote, in the ministry. Right. Um, and we have to get away from that. We have to hundred percent get away from that. You know, I mean, even in America, like if you talk to people who are in ministry, they're always talking about my ministry mm. and it's not my ministry. It's right. who we are together totally. and what that looks like. And I think it's just a unique time to really begin to see what that even looks like. Mm. Yeah, I love what you said about because the, the the things happening right now seem so big and so far beyond our control that it's easy to ask like what difference does my voice make? Uh, what difference does my life make? 
And, and I think that only adds to the mental and spiritual withdrawal and that mindset of, hey, everything is shutting down in our culture, so I'm going to shut down too. And yet we have such an opportunity through the technology that we have, not only to continue to build one another up in love and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to do everything that the church was designed to do, but uh, you can just choose like just just choose one person a day from the church and say hey like today i'm going to uh, pray for donald uh, and maybe I send you a text message or give you a call and connect and hear how things are going and ask how I can be praying and then throughout the day I'm like praying and listening and as God lays things on my heart I can be texting you encouraging in prophetic words and scripture and, and all of that I mean why can't we be uh, connecting with one another and why can't I be encouraging you in that way we have all of these tools available uh, not only to see the church flourish as we uh, kind of look to the right and the left and start building up our brothers and sisters but we also have the chance to look outward to those who don't know christ and i think there's a tremendous opportunity through technology to be connecting with others outside our community and we typically underestimate both or it seems right now in this moment that we're underestimating both uh, for the person who doesn't know christ and the person who doesn't have hope. Uh, and I think a, a lot of those people right now, uh, their coping mechanisms have been stripped away. A lot of their distractions are being stripped away. They still have the internet, so not all of their distractions are gone, but tons of people are sitting and wondering kind of what if? What if I get sick? What if I get the virus? What if I end up on my deathbed? What if I lose everything in this economic collapse? Uh, I, and I think there's such an opportunity there to connect with them and share the hope that we have. Um, most of us have plenty of time right now. You don't need to binge watch another season of whatever it is. Uh, text somebody, pray and say, Lord, who do you want me to encourage today? Uh, who doesn't who doesn't know Jesus? Uh, who doesn't have hope? Uh, who's facing these times of uncertainty on every level? Uncertainty with uh, their their own health and the virus. Uncertainty with the economy and the future and their own financial security. I mean, we are a people of hope. So not only should we be a non-anxious presence, but we should be actively sharing the hope that we have. And I think the lack of hope uh, in those who don't know Jesus is often exposed in times like these. I think oftentimes people are more receptive than we think they are to our love, to our generosity, to our care, to our connection, to our compassion, to the message that we have to share, to this hope that we have to tell them about. And so I think the only way to sum up this podcast for me, because we have to tie it off, uh, but I want to kind of bring things back together. And really what this is, this whole podcast, is just an encouragement to wake up. Like, wake up, take hold of this moment that we're in. And don't wake up weeks from now or months from now and say, wow, like, that was weird. I knocked out a lot of shows on Netflix. Uh, but rather, it, it's kind of that, like, seize the day mentality of saying, hey, I'm approaching my days uh, like monks in a monastery and bringing a sense of intentionality to it. Uh, but being uh, intentional with the, the spiritual disciplines uh, that are going to be established now, but that are going to carry on. You, you can start them uh, today, but they'll carry on well well past this whole, uh, this whole virus thing when all all of this is fading away behind us. And so uh, 
what does it look like uh, to press into God, uh, to seek God for myself, to be more of a self-starter, uh, to worship outside of a Sunday gathering, and to emerge from the desert, if I can use that analogy, empowered by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, stronger than you were before all of this started. So I think that's a beautiful question to pose and leave people with. What does it look like to wake up and press into this moment, to be intentional with yourself and seeking the Lord for yourself, but also with others in our community and those outside the community who need the hope that you have? Um, How can we encourage one another, whether it's in your missional community or the broader church community or uh, engaging outsiders and really using this as an open door Uh, to bring hope into the lives of others. Any closing thoughts? I just, it's so much of church history and so much of circumstances has been what drove the church. Mm. You know, like um, the Pentecost hits and then the church is dispersed. Right. Well, without that, you wouldn't have had the explosion of the gospel. Mm. Some people look at China and say communism's bad, and yet communism has had its bad, bad aspects. But without it, you wouldn't have had the explosion of the gospel. They wouldn't have had trains. They wouldn't have had one language. They wouldn't have had. So I think you know you can look at this from a thousand different ways. Right. You can look at it from the negative aspect, but in it, God has a purpose. Right. And I think it's just embracing what that is and holding on to it and you know seeing the gospel flourish as a result of it Mm. wow and with that i think we'll tie off this episode uh, with that final encouragement hey take time to seek god turn off netflix turn off your phone for goodness sake turn off the news please and kind of wake up and seek the lord for yourself this is your time in the desert and the spirit of the lord is with you and you have everything you need but it is a time for each one of us to wake up and say i'm going to own this i'm going to seek god I'm going to come out of the desert stronger than I was when I went into it.